Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're very excited to have you with us today at New Heights. And I just want to let you know, if you have any questions about anything, please see anyone that was up on stage, any of the worship team members, anyone in the back with a hospitality badge on, or myself. Uh, we'd love to help you out in any way that we are able. Um, today, as uh, Daryl said, is the first day of the Summer at the Movie series, something we do every summer. It's been going on for years now, uh, really, probably like five years six years, something like that, uh, we constantly will go back in the summer and go to the movies. Uh, one, it's fun for us. It, uh, it allows us to kind of go to some movies because most of us are really movie guys and, and girls and we love watching things and seeing the message that God has put in there without Hollywood even knowing sometimes um, and, and, and taking that out and seeing how it applies to our life. And, and, and another reason is actually... Um, we get a lot of comments at Summer at the Movies. Uh, people, for some reason, y'all really like Summer at the Movies. Um, this summer, we are focusing on sports movies. All sports movies, all summer long. That's right. Uh, it'll be eight weeks this year. We're doing it longer than ever before. Um, we'll end with our back-to-school luau. Um, since school is starting a little bit later this year, we've extended Summer at the Movies. and um, So we'll do the back-to-school luau once again. If you remember last year how great the comedian was that showed up um, or didn't show up, uh, if you weren't here, we had a comedian coming and he didn't uh, show up. So it was a, a wonderful opportunity for me to try out my uh, stand-up routine. Um, I'm going to try out for last comic standing next year. Uh, nobody watches that show, really? Wow. Just me, apparently. Um, so, so this year we're going to do something special again. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do, but it is going to be something uh, wonderful and different and a little bigger this year than last. Uh, it's the only way Stacy would let us do the luau again is if we do something really, really cool because she's tired of the Hawaiian shirts, really. But this summer you might notice that um, I'm wearing shorts today, and I will wear shorts all summer long. If you have a problem with it, get over it. My legs are nice. I like to show them off in the summer. I actually, I hate wearing pants. Um, I, I just don't. My mother raised me right, but somewhere I took a turn for the worse. And um, so you know that I've, I've given up on tucking my shirt in. As many comments as I got, I gave up on that a while ago. And now this summer I'm wearing shorts. And if you want to wear shorts to church, great. Mr. Meyer, you know, you, you go ahead and you wear your shorts to church if you want to do that. That is what we're here for. It's just to come, relax, and worship God and to praise God and maybe to interact with your, your fellow brother or sister of Christ. So that's what we're doing. The, the movies that we're doing this summer, just to let you know, there's posters out there in the lobby of all the movies that we are doing. Uh, Legend of Bagger Vance is going to be next week. And then Cars. Um, yes, NASCAR is a sport. Get over it. Uh, and then we'll be doing uh, Glory Road, Fever Pitch, uh, Facing the Giants, and uh, Racing Stripes. Oh, the different movies that we'll be doing this summer. No sport is repeated. How about that? There's so many different uh, baseball movies out there, and we're just using one. It, of course, does have the Red Sox winning the World Series, which is nice. Uh, one more thing. In the back, you might have noticed when you walked in by the popcorn. Uh, about a month ago, the last time I actually preached, um, there was uh, we talked about clean water, uh, drilling wells for uh, villages in Rwanda. I, I threw out a, it was a bunch of different things I talked about, but one of the things I said was this clean water project. And Jenna and I are just putting our spare change into a little jug at home and trying to get to the $3,000 that it takes to give a village clean water so that kids don't die from not having it, something we take for granted around here. 
Uh, and then someone at the 930 service had the idea of, hey, why don't we do that here in the service? And I was like, wow, that's great. And then I disappeared for three weeks. Um, so, but I, I'm back, and back there we have a little poster, Clean Water, and it tells you a little bit about what we're doing. And then an Ozarka jug right below it. So if you think about it, if you come on a Sunday morning and, you're, and your pockets are jingle jangling because you have too much change in there, um, just drop it in there. You know, just, if you're get, coming in on a Sunday morning and you know in your car you got some change in the ashtray or something, just grab the change, come in, throw it in there, and I think we'll be surprised at how quickly we will be able to, to drill a well for uh, the children and families who desperately need it over there in Rwanda. So if you have questions about that, ask me later. Today, uh, we were talking about Cinderella Man. Has anyone ever seen this movie, Cinderella Man? Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie of triumph. You know, it's one of those boxing movies that all boxing movies are. You know, it's the guy, the underdog, who makes his way back up and becomes the champion. But this one tells such a beautiful story. It's a story of a guy named Jack who was a fighter, and it was doing pretty well until the stock market crash of 1929. And like a lot of people of that era... It wiped him out, and he went from one lifestyle to something completely different. He was destitute. He was lost. He was searching for work. They didn't have enough food to feed the family. They couldn't pay their bills, and so he began to fight again, even though he was older, and he was beat down some, and he became basically the champion for the disenfranchised, and he rises to the culmination, the the apex of the movie towards the end. I won't blow it for you, but, you know, it's a Hollywood movie with a good ending. You do the math. But there's a great scene in here. It's kind of, it's one of the longer clips we'll have this summer. In fact, I think it is the longest clip we'll have this summer. But the reason that that this clip was chosen is because of what it tells. Because of the story that it tells. In just a brief moment. Stacey, can we see the clip, please? Oh. Well, I think there's some left over. 
Yep. You know, I got that fight tonight at the armory. Yeah, one guy, uh, Abe Feldman. It's 50 bucks, win or lose. Well, that's good. Maybe I can get my purse stuck up to 75. That'll be great. Rosie, use your fork, please. Who needs a cow, huh? Mama, I want some more. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. I need to save some for the boys. This is the last service, too. His name's Jim. <laughs> Jim Braddock, not Jack, but I just put them together, I guess. What's this movie really about? It's about love. A love so deep that sacrifice is the way of life. I mean, just imagine what just happened here in this picture. You, you see the bills mounting up. The electric and gas bill just came, she said. There's just a pile of bills that you see a little bit later. And, and he goes up to get the milk for the morning. You know, back in that day, I don't remember this, but some of you might, uh, the milk was delivered on a daily basis. And you'd go out and you'd get your milk and you'd bring it in. So he goes out there and there's nothing there for his kids. He brings in two empty bottles and a past due notice and tosses it with the other bills. The mom takes, you know, a little bit left over from yesterday's bottle and fills it up with water. To make milk. Who needs a cow, she says. I don't know. I, I've done this with soap. Have you ever done this? You have like, you're, you're down to the little bit of dish soap left, so you fill it up with water because you can't get to the store. You shake it up. Hey, more soap. I've never done this with milk. I've never had to do that with milk or with anything that I needed to live. You know, here's this little girl, Rosie. She's hungry. It's the morning. She wants to eat breakfast. She has a little fried bologna. She's still hungry. Her dad, doing everything he can to put food on the table to pay the bills, he's been going off to these docks to work his tail off to try and find jobs to get money. He tries to go, he goes and does these fights where he just gets beat up for 50 bucks. He's doing everything he can, and his daughter's hungry. So what does he do? I had this dream last night. And I ate so much in my dream, I'm not hungry now. He gives her his food. You can see kind of the desperation on the mom's face. She's like, what are you doing? You need this. But he gives her everything he has at that moment. Why? Because he's her dad. And a love that deep and a love that true sacrifices. That's what it's all about is a truest form of love is a sacrificial love. 
It's a love that is so great you put the other before yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is writing to the people of Corinth. And, and I, lo- I love this. There's these super apostles that Paul calls them that have come through the city of Corinth, and they're kind of causing a stir. They're trying to preach the gospel and the, and the message of, of God, and they say they're, they're uh, from uh, Israel, and they say they're Hebrews, and they believe in Jesus, and they start doing this. But there's something else that they're doing. They're trying to get money from the people of Corinth. They're like these bad televangelists with bad hairdos or something wearing crazy robes. And they come in and these super apostles and they start preaching this message. And if you only give me 25 cents, your prayers will be answered. I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing, but it was something along those lines. Makes Paul just tremendously mad. It just infuriates Paul. And so when he's writing to the people of Corinth, he's he's talking about all the things he's gone through. And he gets to chapter 12, verse 11. He says, you've made me act like a fool. Boasting like this. You ought to be writing commendations for me, for I am not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. When I was with you, I certainly gave you every proof that I am truly an apostle sent to you by God Himself. For I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. The only thing I didn't do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a burden to you. I love this line right here, the sarcasm that comes from Paul. Please forgive me for this wrong. I'm sorry for not leeching off of you. Now I am coming to you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I want you. In any way, little children don't pay for their parents' food. It's the other way around. Parents supply food for their children. Verse 15, this is the key one. And I will gladly spend myself and all I have for your spiritual good, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. I will gladly spend all that I am and all that I have so that you can know God more. That's what it comes down to for Paul. I will give my life so that you can know God more. Everything I have, all that I am, is put into you knowing God more. I love you so much that I don't care about my life. I want you to know the love of Jesus Christ. Such a great sacrificial love. He talks about all the things that he's been through. The times that he's been whipped. The times that he's been stoned. The times that he's been thrown in prison. He's been in three shipwrecks. The dude has suffered. And he's like, I don't care about all of that. The only reason I bring that up is to tell you how great God is. The only reason I talk about it is to show you the love of Christ and the power of God because that's what it's all about. That's it. I want everything to go towards teaching you about Christ. Because I love you so much. It's that sacrificial love, that love that is so great you put the other person ahead of yourself. I did a wedding last night and... There's a part in the wedding ceremony that is my favorite part. I now introduce you. No, um, there, it's a great part during the rings, when you're doing the blessing of the rings and the exchanging of the rings. There's, what you say there is, uh, I, I, Michael, or whoever you are, uh, give you this ring. And with all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. That part right there. 
I mean, I mean, really, you don't even have to do the blessing of rings. You don't have, that's not a key part of the wedding ceremony, the vows beforehand. That's the big deal. This part, you know, you don't even have to do it if you don't want to. It's optional. It's just, you know, we do it. That part, though, I think is so important and is so telling as to what this couple is doing at this moment. And generally, when I meet with couples, I point that out to them as we go through uh, the ceremony. We always will sit down and I'll open up the book. This is the ceremony. We're going to go through it like this. Do you want to write your own vows? And then I tell them, no, you don't want to write your own vows because that's silly. Let's go through the ones that are here. And then I get to the rings section. And most of the time I point that out to them because I think it's so important. Basically what they are saying is, I am no longer as important as you. My life has now changed forever. The pecking order in my world is different from this day forward. It is now God, then you, and then me. Because everything that I have, everything that I am is now yours. And I'm saying this in a covenant before God and my family and you and all of these people. I think that's so important because I think a lot of times when marriages break up, it's because they forget that part. They forget that sacrificial love. They forget that image of everything I have and everything I am is now yours. So really what I care about and what I concern is put on the back burner so that you can move forward. You know, at the beginning of the ceremony, it talks about Jesus and his sacrificial love. See, that's, that's the image that pulls all of this together. What's the greatest love that man has ever known? The love of Christ. And it was a sacrificial love. Clearly, Jesus Christ put himself before he put us. Put us before he put himself. Clearly, he set aside himself. He was God in heaven. I don't know what heaven's like. I have my own ideas. It revolves around bass fishing and really big fish and things like that. I don't know what it's going to be like. But he was there. I mean, he's there. And he comes down to earth and he's born in filth. And he lives a life of poverty. He could have come and been a king, lived in palaces, but he didn't. He came to this amazing little town, and he lived a life of service, putting others before he put himself. What does he say? I I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And his ultimate, ultimate act of service and sacrifice was dying for us on the cross. Man, that's love. That's love. Those of you that have children, no sacrifice. You do. It just comes with having a child. You sacrifice. You sacrifice money. Maybe you wanted to buy that new fishing rod, but, well, little Gracie needs new shoes. Maybe you wanted to, to go somewhere on vacation. Well, we can't because we're paying for braces. You sacrifice. You sacrifice some of the things you used to like to do. Well, I want to spend more time doing this, but I can't because we have to do all these other things for our kids. You make sacrifices when you have children. But that's okay because you love them so much. It's when you get to that point. I mean, over the last year and a half, Jen and I have made tremendous amounts of sacrifices for Gracie. But there's no way I would have it any other way. 
We've gone through different things and ups and downs. And I mean, most of you know the story. But that's okay because I love her so much. And I want to do that. What else can I do for you? Sometimes we're so blinded by the fact that that's what God's doing for us. Okay, I'll do this. Okay, we'll, we'll, I'll put this aside and I want to be here for you. What else can I do for you now? What else can I do for you? I'm here for you. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. I want to be with you. I love you so much that, I don't know, I'm going to go ahead and give my life for you. There is no greater love than the love of a man giving his life for another. And that's what Christ did for us. And you know the thing is, he got to that point. He got to that point where he was questioning it, didn't he? Remember the night in the garden when he's by himself and he's praying? And, he, and he's just so frightened that he begins to sweat blood. And he hollers out to God, remove this cup from me. I, I don't want to do this. I know what's coming. I'm God. I can see what's coming ahead. I know what's going to happen. I know that the soldiers are on the way here right now. I know that they're going to take me. I know that I'm going to be whipped and beaten almost to the point of death, spat upon, ridiculed, mocked. And then I know that I'm going to be hung on a tree. I know these things. And I can't do it, God. But what happens? What does he say? Not my will, but yours. Not my will. Not what I want. But I'm willing to sacrifice everything, even my very life. Because there's going to be a kid born in 1974 in Houston, Texas. And man, I love him so much. He's going to do stupid things in his life. Really stupid things in his life. But I love him. And I want to die for him so that he might know eternal life. There's going to be a girl. There's going to be a boy. There's going to be all of us. And I know that those thoughts must have been going through his mind when he goes, not my will, but yours. He was thinking about each and every one of us. There's going to be a time when they turn to me and they open their arms and say, God, I love you. I accept your grace and your forgiveness. Thank you. And it's all going to be worth it. I don't care what I have to sacrifice because that will be worth it. That love is so great and so passionate and deep. Yet so often we take it for granted. So often we forget about it. Like children do with their parents. They don't realize the sacrifices that parents sometimes make. They don't realize the decisions that parents have to make. Do we do this or do we do that? And what is the thing that's going to be best for our child? So often we don't remember what God put himself through so that we might know forgiveness and true love. I don't know if you've ever known that grace and that love, that sacrificial love of a father so deeply loving his children that he was willing to give his life. Right now, I just ask you, just bow your heads for me if you would. I don't know if you've ever gotten to accept that love, the love of 
a savior, a sacrificial love so great. But now I just want you right now to, in your mind, just to think about, think about the times you've taken that sacrificial love for granted. We do it all. I do it every day. I do it every day. And I, I know that we all do it from time to time. We forget how amazing and powerful the love of God is. We forget what he put himself through so that we might love him. We might know him. Just right now where you are, just say, I'm sorry, God. Just in your mind, just say, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. Forgive me. Today's the day, Lord. 11:54, July 1st, 2007, that I turn to you with open arms and say, thank you for your death. Thank you for your resurrection, for the love that you so freely give me. Today's the day that I give my life to you. I turn it over to your hands. It's no longer about me. It's about you. I know there's going to be times in the future when I turn my back on you again, when I stumble, when I fall. But I thank you that your love is still there, that your grace is still showering upon me, and you are there to pick me up. That in those darkest of nights, your light shines through. Lord, I thank you for your love and for your grace. I thank you for the opportunity to turn to you, to the cross, and to bring all of my troubles and all of my sorrows. And receive back your loving hand, your loving support.